Well, I want to uh, talk with you this morning about uh, something that kind of goes right along with what I shared last Sunday on the, the quest. The focus was uh, the title that I gave to these thoughts this morning. But last week, what stands out to me in the idea of a quest is just a seeking, seeking for the kingdom of God above all else. This is a New Living Translation. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and righteous living. So we won't get into that. I noticed uh, my time has flown by this morning. So I want to move on to this week. And uh, the passage Tanya has already shared with you is uh, found in the book of Hebrews. And uh, I will share a little bit with you from that particular passage as we go along this morning. But focus. I, I learned a lesson about focus this last spring. I was painting our house. And I'd gone around the outside. I'd painted all of the ceiling and the columns that are on our lanai. And uh, I finally got around to doing up underneath the eaves. You know, it, it, the... The roof line, the boards come down out beyond a little bit, and I was get up on a step ladder. I had a paint pan, roller, brush, and I was working away. It got a bit done. I had uh, done all the prep work, taped it, and uh, I was painting. And I had done at this end. There was a screen there carefully wiped down some of the drippings that I got on the screen. Well, my wife came out just as I was concluding that. And uh, in her hand was a cell phone. And she had it on, what do you call that? Speakerphone, thank you, dear. <laughs> this is my other half. I don't know what I'd do without her. I can't remember much anymore. But anyways, I heard my son's voice. I had called him earlier and asked him to call me back at his convenience. And so she's talking to him, and so I'm curious what he's sharing about. And so I listen a little bit to the conversation, obviously get wrapped up in it. And uh, so I go to move my ladder down off from it. I pick it up, and I move it, and all of a sudden, I have a paint pan and paint all over me, the lanai, which is bricks, pavers. I had spent only about an hour taping and painting up to that point. Juanita and I spent over two hours cleaning up my mess. Focus became a very important matter for me. In that moment, especially, you know, when I'm painting, most of the people in here who have had jobs or are now working in jobs understand the importance of focusing on different kind of things. We have heard great conversation and feedback from the children this morning about, you know, <laughs> what causes them to lose focus. Well, what causes you to lose focus? 
Well, for me, it was a phone conversation. But there are a whole lot of other things that can cause me to lose focus in various kinds of situations in life. And we need to think about that, but without over-spiritualizing it, but understanding that it can happen on our spiritual journeys that we can get our focus off the kingdom of God and living righteously. But there is a passage here in Hebrews, it's in the 12th chapter, and uh, already Tanya has read it. I'll read it from a different translation, parts of it, as I go along. But let's get ourselves in gear with the people that the Hebrew writer is talking to. Hebrews, that means Jewish people. They are people that he is writing to who have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And they have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire. So there, might, there were obviously some in Rome. And uh, he has been ministering there. But there are other parts of the world under the Roman Empire at that particular time. And it was a time when persecution was increasing. And uh, people who lived their faith, who testified to believing in Jesus, were being persecuted for that faith, thrown into prison, and some of them died. And so it is that kind of a background, and being a pastor to people, that this writer is saying, look, I understand, I know there are all of these things that your focus is <laughs> being distracted. And I just want to encourage you, he doesn't say it in those words, but he does help them to, to get um, a picture here. He begins earlier, chapter 10, of talking to them how how important perseverance is in their particular world that they're a part of. They need to, to persevere, to keep going, even when they don't feel like it, even when it's difficult, even when they face death, imprisonment. And so he talks about that, and then he gives them a chapter that cites many, many of those who had been faithful in their faith to God. They'd lived it out, and many of them had lost their lives. And so he comes to, to chapter 12, and he says, so, you, we all have a great cloud of witnesses. There are those who have gone on before us, who've lived the faith out, and they are there to, as your models. They are there as testimonies that it was worth living out their faith and serving God with all of their hearts. And uh, he says they're cheering for you. Well, praise God, we need that. I was thinking of folks in this church as I was pastor that I felt your encouragement, your support, your prayers, your support. I thank God for that. And many of you, you know, have uh, just been cheerleaders as I come back these last couple of Sundays. He goes on to talk about, you know, after he helps them to realize there are people sharing, it gets down to what they need to do, their response that needs to take place here. 
he not only says that they need to run with perseverance, but he also says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us. So he's talking about some things that we need to do and trying to boil it down to uh, be careful of our time here this morning. Let me just use one example in particular, doubts. We all have doubts. Uh, we doubt that we've made the right decision. We doubt and can doubt if uh, God is present with us or he understands and knows what we are feeling and experiencing at that particular time. So that could be one of those things that we need to strip off is our doubts about God. And it could have things to do with what's going on in our hearts besides doubts, our understanding of God. I think one of the greatest things is to grapple with how deep, how wide the love of God is. And uh, we have heard some songs this morning that describe that and challenge us to think about that. And so he wants us to be thinking about these things, thinking about God. And he says not only that we are to strip these things, get rid of these things, but he says that to be encouraged and to keep our, uh, and to persevere, we can do it if we will focus on Jesus. If we will keep our focus on Jesus. Now Tanya used eyesight because in the NIV it does say keep your eyes on Jesus. But focus whether it is thinking with your eyes or seeing it with your eyes or thinking it with your mind and heart, it is the idea of focusing on something that is really of great importance to you. So he wants us to focus on Jesus, who knew the joy that awaited him in all of heaven, so he endured hostility from sinful people and the pain of the cross, he was crucified and completing the race before him in perfect love and obedience to the Father. So, we've got to be mindful that we are on, we're in a race, every one of us individually, but as a family, we're racing together. And so, there are things that we can do that we can do today to prepare for the day when we get up in the morning or at night. There isn't a racer that doesn't get out there, well, there shouldn't be, that doesn't get out and stretch and maybe see how they would get out of the stocks more quickly than others. Some of you have run many races. And you know how important the preparation for that race is, not just that day, but many days before. And so we're talking here about preparation and perseverance in a race, what we do before we get out there and what we do in the race. And uh, to me, as I've tried to boil this down and synthesize it, it seems to me there are a couple of questions. What do we focus on that answer that? It is Jesus, we know that, he said that. But who is Jesus? Who is he? I wanna remind you of what John said and described it in the gospel, the first chapter, verse 14. So the word became human 
and made a home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So who is Jesus? He was considered the Word by John. The Word that was made flesh, the written Word. All those scriptures throughout the the Old Testament that people had been studying and following. The law that was given. He was all wrapped up in that. And it tells us that he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And how many times psalm writers talk about the unfailing love of God and what it meant to the children of Israel. And that he is the Father's one and only Son. Okay, so that is telling us back in the gospel who Jesus is. But what does Jesus say? You remember all those I am statements? I'm just going to remind you of a few of those without taking a lot of time to explain them, and then we'll try to make sense out of it. Jesus said before Moses or before Abraham, I am. Think of that. Before Abraham, I am. You know, the Jewish people couldn't understand that. They were upset. You know, what do you, he just was born of, Mary, I mean, he and, or Mary and Joseph, his parents, we know them and so forth. They could not grasp it, but Jesus is saying that he was long before that present, alive with, with God. And then he says, I am the bread of life in John six thirty five. I am the light of the world, 8, 12, and 9, 5. I am the gate for the sheep. In chapter 10, it's all about the good shepherd, which is another word that he, or I am statement, I am the good shepherd, verses 7 and 14. And then he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. All of those I am statements say something about who Jesus is. What he says, I am. They are points for you and I to go back to and to think about it. Take the Good Shepherd, chapter 10 of John. Read it, reread it. Think about what he's saying. Think about it from a shepherd's viewpoint from a sheep's viewpoint, because we are the sheep. He is the good shepherd. Think about what that means to you. As we are focusing on Jesus, we need to understand who he is, what the Bible says. There's a whole lot more than just these I am statements and what John has said that I have recited to you. But they help us. And they help us every time we read it, every time we think about it, every time we meditate on it and spend time with it, allowing it to speak into our lives. Okay? Who is Jesus? What does Jesus do? Well, what he has done is he took on human flesh and suffered and died to pay the price for our sins. We sang about that this morning. And the scripture that I have read already in Hebrews speaks about that. He performs miracles. Look at all the miracles. 
and see what Jesus has done from uh, turning water to wine, from healing the sick, the invalid, from raising the dead. There is a host of miracles that we see. He asked God to send the comfort of the Holy Spirit and he did that. So he has done all of those things and the Spirit has come to be our comforter. The Spirit is the one that gives us the gifts of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these are gifts through the Holy Spirit. What has Jesus done? He sent the Holy Spirit. He sent these gifts from God for the body of Christ, for you and I to be enriched so that we can share his love, joy, peace with others in our life. Always, Jesus loves, forgives, and reconciles. He is always interceding for us. He is preparing a place for us out there in the future and he is coming again. So there are those things that he has done and there are things that he is doing and there are things that he will do. I, I remember my dad reading through the Bible, especially in his older age, he just Every time I would come into the house, I would see him sitting in his chair reading through the Bible. He would read through the Bible seven, eight times or more times every year. I wasn't sure what that meant, but for the last 15 plus years, I read through the Bible every year. Every time, this morning, as I continued on through, uh, where am I? <laughs> in the scripture, in the book of Esther today, a part of it. There's something there that speaks to my heart that I experience more of God's love and fellowship with me, what he has done, what he wants to do, the plans that he has for me. As an older man now, I still have breath to breathe. I still can talk to people and what a delight it was this morning to greet so many of you out in the foyer and just to see you. The relationships that began along the journey that are fostered through other opportunities to be together, to do things, to share together, they are precious. I thank God for that. And what I'm trying to say is that the more we get into the scriptures and read devotionals, the more we talk with God in bed, on our knees in the morning, or as we drive to work, or during the day. That's all building the relationship. That is all helping me to know him. The important thing in terms of knowing who he is and what he does is that every time we learn something new or refreshed, that trust grows in God and the desire to obey him because we know that if we do what he asks us to do, he is there. He will help us. 
I'm thankful for that, and I praise him for it. So I want to just kind of try to wrap this up. There's a story in Second Chronicles chapter 20. This is just one of many stories. Some of them, you might say they're bummers, and you don't really <laughs> care to read them. They upset you. Look at the stupid things that people did. They disobeyed God. And then they were angry at God because of the consequences of their disobedience that they experienced. Well, there was a king named Jehoshaphat. It's talked about in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. And he was told, got the message, that there was a vast army coming from three different nations. And everybody trembled. They were fearful because they knew they had no army to match this. And so the king says, put on your fasting clothes and pray. Let's pray. Let's reach out to God and ask him for help. And they did. And then the word of the Lord came through a prophet named Jehaziel. And Jehaziel told them that uh, this vast army that was coming, the battle is not yours. It's God's. And I left out this that I wanted to say, and I'm sorry, just before he came, part of the last part of Jehoshaphat's prayer was the fact that he told all these things, that he believed about God, and the situation they were in, didn't have an answer, but he knew God, and he said, our eyes, our focus is on you. And after that prayer, God spoke to the prophet, and the prophet called came and told him the battle is not yours but it's God's and you are to stand still or go out to the place where this is going to happen and you watch go out with singing and praising God and so as we think about our situation we are not terribly persecuted yet as a nation I think there are some people who are feeling that greatly that there are times when uh, people can't pray in public or proclaim the name of Jesus. Yeah, we don't like those things. But it's not quite the same as it was from this Hebrew writer. So it's not always persecution that we face. Hey, there's an enemy that's attacking us. And in every situation, every day, we need to acknowledge, we need to open ourselves up so that God who created us helps us to know him better, to know who he is, and to be reminded of all the things that he has done. What an incredible victory God opened up for the children of Israel when those three nations began to kill each other. And Israel, Judah, who couldn't, march out against them or compare with them, watched, and then took all the spoils. That was not something they did. God did it. And how many things in our lives we can't do, but God will help us. Help us to pay off this mortgage. Help us at ENC to, to uh, continue to work on a plan to come up with something that we can't do alone. Only God can. And we already can see God at work in so many of these things. Can you see God at work in your life? 
A lot of blank faces. Does anybody here see God at work in your life? Well, praise the Lord. As we open up and we know him and see what he does, hey, there are little promptings that God wants to give to us. And I am thankful. I'm beginning to discern more and more every day the times that the Spirit of God is there just encouraging me to do little things, to make a call to somebody, or to go get up out of bed and go do something that I need to do that night. And as I honor that and obey that, I'm blessed. All of us will be. So let us see Jesus' call to put the seeking of his kingdom above all else and living righteously in right relationship with one another and on the race to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, our focus on him who is the one who has completed the race obediently, faithfully, and he is the champion. Look to the champion, the one who's done it, and he will see us through that each one of us can accomplish this race and we can win the prize that Paul was seeking for and be together in God's heaven. There's a song. Oh my. Okay. Just wondering if anybody's fallen asleep yet. There's a song that's called Known. I'm not going to read it or say anything about it, but can we just take the time to listen to it, Amy? Thank you, dear. Would you uh, look at the words, listen to them, think about it? It's so unusual while it's frightening You see right through the mess inside me And you call me out to pull me in You tell me I can start again And I don't need to keep on hiding I'm fully known And loved by you no matter what I do And it's not one or the other It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known Fully known and loved by you I'm fully known and loved by you It's so unusual, it's frightening I'm fully known and loved by you. Stand with me, would you please? Father, you fully know everything about us. You know all our excitements and joys. You know our sadness and our hurts. You know our sicknesses. You know our loneliness, our fears. God, you know everything. You know where we have disobeyed you. You know the things in our heart where we need to ask somebody for forgiveness. You love us, knowing all of these things. You love us and you want to help us on this race 
of life. And so God, as we go forth from this place, may we continue to focus our eyes, our attention fully on Jesus, the word, the whole word of God. May we read it, study it, meditate on it, and allow it to be a force that the Holy Spirit can use to give us guidance, comfort, strength, and power by the Spirit. We love you, and we go in your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.